Hello there, security peeps. It's Brent Houston. I'm the CEO and security evangelist of Microsoft Inc., and I'm also the lead blogger for stateofsecurity.com. Welcome to the stateofsecurity.com podcast. We've formalized things a little bit more than uh, last time, and we're putting together an iTunes uh, subscription. So if you'd like to hear more from us, uh, please go into iTunes and click subscribe or pick it up off of stateofsecurity.com or subscribe in any other third-party feed that you would like. We hope you enjoy this episode. I've got a pretty good one uh, this time. I sat down a few days ago with Dave Rose from a big financial company. He's a risk manager there. And Helen Patton, she's the CISO of the Ohio State University. And we had a great conversation where we talked about mentoring and information security in general. We talked about uh, how to get women uh, and young ladies involved and uh, what are some of the career advice that these folks could uh, bring to you. So uh, all that said... Uh, We won't hold you much longer. Please uh, check it out, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, Again, if you really like it, rate us on iTunes and give us a click. We hope to see you and keep reading on statussecurity.com. Hello, and welcome to the State of Security podcast. Today, I'm going to be joined by Helen Patton. Hello, Helen. Hi. Hi. And Dave Rose. Hey there. So before we kind of get started, I'll uh, start with you, Helen. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of some of the things that you've done? Sure. So um, my name is Helen Patton. I live in Columbus, Ohio, where I've lived for the last 20 or so years. I've spent the last 15 years or so in the information security disaster recovery business continuity world professionally. And I'm currently working at the Ohio State University, home of the national championship football team. And uh, my job there is the chief information security officer. So um, I've spent the first half of my career in the private sector. I am now in higher education, completely different cultural landscape. Um, and really interesting challenges when it comes to information security and information risk in general. Um, And uh, I'm happy to be here to talk about it. Well, thank you so much for joining us this evening. And Dave Rose, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your background? Sure, glad to. Uh, So I am a a senior risk professional in in the financial industry. Uh, I have in the past have been a chief technology officer for probably 15 years. Uh, before that, I was in project management. I've been in InfoSec for probably the last five years, uh, a couple years in audit, and then the rest of the other well, five or six years, the other four years was spent in uh, risk, uh, in, again, in the financial industry. Um, also based in Columbus, Ohio. Um, sorry, Brent. <laughs> and you are a big uh a big fan of the Ohio State University. Is that correct, Dave? That is correct. I am a big fan of the Ohio State University. Good answer. We wouldn't let you live in Columbus if you weren't. So tell me, as we kind of get started here, I want to start with a very obvious question. There are probably a lot of young folks out there 
we hope, listening to this podcast. And, and the idea here is to talk to them about information security as a career and, and sort of how uh, to come in and, and build a lifetime career in this space. But before we kind of get to that, Helen, let's kind of start with you. Why should young people listen to you in particular? Why should they listen to what you have to say about it? Well, I think uh, for, for a number of reasons. One is be, through my career, I've, I've worked in a lot of different areas of security. I think one of the interesting things about security right now is we're getting a lot of press. But the press tends to treat security like it's all the same. It's sort of like saying, do you want a career in technology? in general, well, does that mean you're doing application development or networking or middleware or database management? There's this whole range of things in security, um, just like there's a whole range of things in technology. And I think my experience over the years has had me move through a lot of those domains. Um, I think the other thing is that I've had the opportunity to work in a number of different industries and those industries treat information security and information risk in different ways um, purely based of course on the nature of the business that they're in so with that kind of background I, I think hopefully I'll have some information worth sharing uh, as we go through the podcast. Now let's not forget the least of which is you work at the university, which is completely focused on helping to educate folks and, and bring them sure. along. And I think that probably gives you an incredibly deep perspective that is very relevant today. Um, yeah, absolutely. At, in two levels. One is um, university, their business is educating people for the, for the current needs of society and certainly I think you could argue that there is a current need and a future need for security professionals in society and so a lot of the higher education and K through 12 uh, the education industry in general is grappling with how do we train people with really relevant skills that they can graduate out of college and be able to use those skills right away in a meaningful way and not have to wait for 10 years of work experience before they're really good at what they do. So there's the, the pedagogy of how do we train people on security. And then there's just this, the, the other piece of higher education that I find really interesting related to security is 10 years or so ago, it was all about protecting the data and putting up fortress walls and, and not letting people in. Universities don't work that way. We are all about information sharing. We're about you know telling everybody everything, and that's how we exist. And we have to manage security in that environment. But that's where the rest of society is right now. Kids today, kids, and when I say kids, I mean high school kids and college kids, and kids at heart, are on social media sharing all of their stuff all the time, outside of higher education. And so if I can manage security. In higher ed, I can manage security anywhere. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a really interesting uh, industry to be in, and it's it's really breaking ground in terms of research and security solutions and all of that as well. It's it's I get to see all of it. It's great. That's fantastic, and uh, I just really look forward to our discussion. Uh, Dave, why don't you uh, tell us why should young folks pay attention to what you as a risk professional has to say? 
So, you know, and similar to Helen, it's like I've, I've been through many jobs, many uh, different aspects of the, and might come from a technology background. But within that, you know, I went to school. I was not destined for technology. I found technology was a niche. And within that, it's like, you know, I have expanded into the information um, security side of things. And information security in today's world is absolutely fascinating. It's something that changes constantly. It's ever-evolving. Uh, you you never, you know, people, especially as you get older, you know, one of the big fears, you go to a job, it's a, you know, eight to five, eight to six, same thing every day. Information security is new. It's innovative. It has... Um, elements of creativity that you're allowed to use that you can't really display typically in a career. Uh, and the fa and the subject matter is fascinating. Information security in the past five years has changed so radically. The problems are so different. And as we continue to develop into the information age, you know, data, financial transactions, development of social media, all the things that, that make up the, the world that we live in, they're constantly evolving and ever changing. It's just, it's a fascinating career, fascinating industry. I absolutely, I mean, the passion that, you know, someone can show with this and the things that you can do in a lifetime, you know, the sky's the limit. Well, and you certainly hit on one of the big reasons I got into InfoSec, and that is uh, no day is like the next. One day I'm uh, studying what the Russian mob is doing. The next day I might be uh, looking at application security code or, or reviewing network packets. It's always something different. Um, so when you kind of look back at your career, Dave, and, and, the switches that you've been through and the IT uh, transitions, what really got you into InfoSec? What was it that, that made you get in and stay in? Uh, kind of the realization that, um, you know, the world's changing. InfoSec is important. Uh, InfoSec is, is uh, I, I think, is equally as important as the technology itself. Um, the, you know, the passion that you need around it, the help that individuals need with it. You know, I'm kind of all about, uh, I like to build something, build a product, build something through to an end to see how it works out, how it's working for it. People need so much help, especially in the InfoSec world. It's even technology folks don't quite get it. It's a constantly evolving. It's something that you're constantly learning for. And I like helping bridge that gap for folks. And it's like, it, it just, it makes for a very rewarding day. Now, Dave, I know personally you're a strong believer in mentoring and you've worked with a number of young people to guide them through their career. Uh, can you just share with us a little bit about your personal insights about mentoring and, and sort of the commitment that uh, you've made around mentoring? Sure. Um, you know, as you go through you know, a career, uh, there are, are many, you know, I've mentored people who are very junior to, you know, mentor a lot of my peers. Uh, it really is all about helping someone decide what's important to them, what, where, where they want to go, what they want to do. You know, mentoring is a commitment of helping, you know, people uh, understand where they are and, and, and evaluate the skill sets and the things that they want to do in a career. Um, everybody has a different uh, take on it, and mentoring is a lot of listening uh, a lot of learning and a lot of growing together in a mentoring relationship. Uh, there's nothing more satisfying than helping other people get to where they want to go. And, you know, the things that you can contribute through past experiences, through discussions with others, things that, you know, it's a different view on what you do. Um, you know, kind of like this forum, you know, it's an interesting combination of people. You know, we've all had different experiences. We all come from a different part of the table, yet 
you know, our passion is around info security in this discussion. And, you know, it's things like that that, that just, it, it, it's very rewarding. Now, I know personally, Helen, Dave used the word passion, and I know information security and, and IT is truly a core passion of yours. Mm -hmm. Was it passion that drove you to get into InfoSec, or what were the key factors that, that put you in the space? It was a complete accident. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in the 80s in rural Australia, and I will tell you that I don't think there was anybody at the time who thought that they would grow up and do a security job aspirationally. We had lots of doctors and nurses and firemen and policemen, but we were all dealing with Commodore 64s. Nobody was thinking about a job in security at that point. But um, if I, I guess my first... Um, foray into even thinking about security was in at the end of the 90s, really, when we were dealing with the Y2K problem, which no one thought of really as a security problem at the time, but just a programming problem. But right after that, we started seeing a lot of email viruses. We saw a northeast power outage that took out the whole eastern seaboard. We had 9-11. There were a whole bunch of things that happened and I just happened to be sitting in a job where I was running an IT infrastructure shop. I was running a help desk. I was running networks for a, for a company here in Columbus. And and they sort of looked around and said, well, we need somebody who can help us deal with all of this stuff. And I actually found that, uh, you know, I had, a, I had a place to be and I had a place to grow. I get really bored really easily. Um, but not in this industry because every year I'm, I seem to be doing something different. Even while I'm working at the same company, I'm doing something different. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I am a real believer in that if people do information security really well, they're doing IT really well. Um, I, there's a lot of people that, who don't know the space who will say to me, wow, you know, you've got to either do IT or security. And I'm like, no, no, false dichotomy. It's IT with security. And when you do both of those well, it's a force multiplier. And being able to talk to people about that, yeah, absolutely, I'm passionate about it. Oh, and that's absolutely money too. Couldn't agree yeah. more. Right. And it, that is an amazing statement. And I love uh, the old school callback there to the Commodore 64. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Um, Showing so, my age. <laughs> no, I think we're all in the same ball, uh, ballpark there. Uh, so if you had to look back and across that time span, all the way back to the days of the Commodore 64. And and you sort of look at that in the lessons that you've learned over the years. What are the three things that you would tell folks if they were considering InfoSec as a profession? What are the key things that you've learned over that time, Helen? Mm. Uh, one is um, be eager to learn. You, you have always... you. you there's no point in our careers, I think, where you can sit back and go, wow, I've really got this. I'm, I've, I've mastered it. Because as the, the environment changes as quickly as technology changes. And technology, as we all know, is changing really, really quickly. So one is you have to have an appetite for learning. I think the second thing is you really need to be resilient um, in this industry because you're going to face challenge, whether that's someone hacking you or a manager who doesn't understand security and, and why they even need to think about it or whatever. So you need to be willing to dust yourself off and get back up and try something new and continue to experiment. Um, and I think 
you do need to have a certain level of confidence in what you're doing because when people keep saying to you, but, but why, but, but, but why? You have to be able to be really confident in saying, this is why. Um, and that confidence, I think, comes with the learning and it comes with time experiencing the industry and time in role. Um, but what I find most interesting working in higher ed at the moment is that a lot of the people who have really useful knowledge are the students and the people who haven't been in the industry for very long because they're not set in their thinking. Um, so that I think there's a role to, to be had for all of our students and, and people who want to get into the industry new. Absolutely. Thank you. That is fantastic. And I totally agree that we're seeing uh, young folks coming into the industry with new ideas, new approaches, um, and just out of the blue, solving some problems that have plagued us for, for quite some time. I'm going to ask those same questions of you, Dave Rose, as you look across the time, and I know that you remember back to the late 80s, what are the top three kind of lessons that you've learned in your career that you would pass on to a young, a young person? So I totally agree with Helen on the first point about learning. Uh, you actually have to have an appetite for learning. You know, in InfoSec, everything changes constantly. Uh, you know, you need to, there's resources, you know, all over to learn. Um, and information comes from strange places. You know, always be open-minded, always be willing to take a look at something different, always be able to think through a paradigm differently than you typically do. You know, step back from it, take a look at it, evaluate it, and see if there is another way to look at it. Um, secondly, I would say you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And by that, I mean, you know, if you as you go through anything in information security, you know, there always needs to be something. There's always something that can be done. There's always something to be thought of. There's always a new angle. There's always something else to be accomplished. And the second you get comfortable, the second you get last days were to, you know, to, uh, Helen kind of said a little bit, if you are comfortable or if you think, well, you know, I've got this, chances are you don't. The, the second you become comfortable is the, the next moment you probably have a vulnerability. Always have to be thinking, always have to be on the move. Um, and then thirdly, I would say is probably that info security is all about people and process. It's not one or the other. You know, you don't favor one versus the other. It's about both. You know, anything which from social engineering, you know, Brent's been a great teacher over the years about that, that, you know, people sometimes, again, it's the education factor. It's people, how they make the decisions. It's people, how they consider information security in their personal lives and in the professional lives. And then secondly, it's process. How do we do things? Why are we doing things that way? You know, is what I'm doing leaving myself open to uh, an attack? Is the way we're conducting business leave you open to attack? You know, you have to consider both if you want to be successful. And never weigh one over the other. And again, always take a step back, take a look at it independently. Now, Helen, I'm going to call you out here for just a second because one of the things that I didn't hear from you that kind of surprises me is that um, you didn't make a call out for patience. Um, <laughs> and it, it seems to me that uh, that in your background and, and certainly in the in the field of academia, patience is a core value that that folks have to learn when they're coming into this profession. Uh, it, anyone who knows me really well will tell you that I actually am not a very patient person in and of myself, which is probably why I didn't call it out. Um, I understand where you're, where you're going from, where you're coming from, though, in terms of um, what we're trying to do, I think, as an industry is to get the culture to change, to be more security aware and more risk aware. 
and culture doesn't change quickly. And so I think you're right in from that perspective, we have to be patient. But I think we can very impatiently make changes that are smaller but more frequent and people can consume those changes, those small but frequent changes, much more easily than one big change. And I think that's one of the things that I've learned over my career is I can't solve world hunger necessarily, but I can go a long way to, to, to making sure that people have what they need when they need it. Um, when it, when it comes to security related things. So, uh, so patience is not the word I would use. Um, I would go back to having some tenacity, um, having some resilience to be able to keep trying and keep putting something new in front of people. Um, you're right. Long-term, that takes some patience, um, but uh, but I'm I'm an immediate gratification kind of girl, and I, I can get that in security uh, if I'm innovative. And I think that is just an amazing uh, thought space to be in. Um, you you mentioned there that uh, obviously you're a girl, um, and I think uh, for those folks who haven't had the pleasure to to get to know you over your career, you have been very vocal about uh, some of the challenges that young women are facing coming into science, technology, engineering, and math careers. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what some of those challenges are in the information security space, Helen? Sure. Um, some of what we face in information security is true of any of the technology industries or any, as you pointed out, any of the STEM fields. Um, and the, the literature is out there um, across all of those industries to talk about some of the things that we face. Do we have um, very early in a, in a child's experience with computing or with science or with math, are they having a positive experience that makes them want to go forward? Um, so when you think about your elementary school experience, you know, are we putting Legos in front of boys and kitchen sets in front of girls? And if we are, what does that do to the way they think about their role and, and what's open and available to them? So there's a lot of work going on right now to go way back to elementary school and say, can we have more girls engaged in the Lego robotics programs or girls who code and those kinds of um, um, mentoring opportunities for young people? I think... Um, Despite all of the effort, though, in the K through 12 space, we still see um, less than 20. Actually, it's it's closer to 12 percent of girls graduate high school and choose to go into a STEM undergraduate program in college. Um, and I've got a daughter going to an all girls school. And even there, they only have 20 percent of their girls go to a to a STEM kind of program. Um, so it, it can't just be the educational model. It's it, it's a whole societal problem. Where I'm stuck, and I think Dave would probably echo this, is I'm looking to hire a very diverse candidate slate, but I'm not seeing a diverse candidate pool applying for the jobs that I'm offering in security. Some of that, I think, is the history of security in that if, if you do go back to sort of the beginnings of the industry, it tended to come out of um, the military background, which tends to be male dominated to start with. A lot of the people in security actually didn't start in the application coding space, which did have more women in it at one point, um, but com comes more out of infrastructure and networking, which again tends to be more male dominated to start with. 
Um, it also happens, it's not just a female problem, it, at least in the United States, we see a high preponderance of um, white applicants as opposed to African-American or Indian or um, Asian or Native American or whatever. So we, we don't have a very diverse pool to draw from today. And I think one of the things that we're going to need to do as security professionals is be really, really, really clear on what we need as a requirement of the job and what we would like to have but is optional. Um, one of the things that I'm learning being at Ohio State and, and really looking at some of these issues with some, um, with some scholars is that women will self-select out of a job if they don't meet nine out of 10 of the requirements, whereas men will apply for a job if they meet six or seven out of 10 of the requirements. So how do we post a job rec that asks for just what we need and not more than that so that we can expand our pool. And I, so I think what we're seeing in security is a, just a microcosm of the greater STEM fields, but I think security is perhaps one of the last bastions or the, the uh, has, has the worst record at the moment in terms of attracting women, which is a shame because the people who are the best at security are people who um, may understand the technology, but again, the technology is changing often and frequently. So it's somebody who can learn, someone who can communicate, someone who can understand an end-to-end -end business process and how security and human psychology fits into that process. And men don't have the monopoly on those kinds of skills. So you got me on a soapbox. <laughs> no, not at all. I think that's a great and valid viewpoint. Um, Dave, when you look across the candidate pool, uh, are there folks out there that just are not rising to the, you know, to the pinnacle or not making it through a process? Or is it literally just uh, those folks aren't turning up in the candidate pool? You know, Brent, it's a great question because it's, I mean, I do struggle with it. Um, you know, Helen mentioned diversity. I've been very fortunate, you know, 45% uh, of my staff is female. And the the thing about it is the, the is the candidate pool. It, it, it's very hard to find people who are qualified with the right balance of, of background to get into the, the risk space. Um, it, or even you know information security. It, it's very difficult. You know, my last candidate, I literally went through uh, probably fifty resumes and and thirteen interviews before I finally found found my candidate, young uh, young woman who's who was in the industry. It's just very difficult with the amount of information and the amount of um, the amount of different disciplines you can be into. That finding that right match, the the fit for your your shop, makes it difficult to to keep hire a diverse uh, a diverse set of candidates. And I I totally agree with Helen's point that I think sometimes we need to reevaluate what we're really looking for. There are things that are trainable within information security, and there, it really is the skill sets you know about learning about what you can do, versatility, those are the things you want with your team. And I, I think she really raised some good points about it. those are the type of candidates we need to look for. And I know, uh, particularly in the hacker side of the community and, and in that area, things are starting to change. There's a little more uh, adoption of, of a more modern uh, set of values. But let's face it, in that space, um, ladies do still face some forms of harassment and um, sometimes it's overt, sometimes it's more subtle. Uh, 
if you were talking to a young lady who was considering a career and in, in, in InfoSec and wanted to join the hacker community, Helen, what do you what do you think you would impart to her to prepare her for that sort of a challenge? I think um, my experience would suggest that um, women need to actively reach out for a mentoring relationship and a community of other women who, even if they don't work side by side in the same team, can be a sounding board and a community of support when they need it. Um, you know, w women on a on a one-on-one -on -one basis tend to be able to handle misogyny when it comes up, when they see it. Um, but it can wear you down. And um, sometimes you do come across things that are that are sort of beyond your individual capability to deal with. And that's where you need to have someone at the end of the phone or, or, or at the end of the computer that you can call up and say, hey, this happened. What do you think? How should I handle it? Where do we go from here? And, and to be that support group. For, for women in particular, I think, um, the the challenge of being the only woman in the room ha comes with all kinds of weirdness. But one of the things that comes with is you don't bring with you a support structure. And so women, I think, have to actively go looking for that support structure. The good news is it exists. It may not exist in your uh, team. It may not even exist in your organisation, but it's there. So women have um, have to some degree a responsibility to to go look for that. I think as a leader in the industry, um, a more senior person in the industry, I have a responsibility to call out misogyny when I see it um, and and to be able to show that we support all kinds of diversity, not just gender diversity, um, when it, you know, as, as a valuable resource that, that we need if we're really going to be successful. Um, so as women rise up into different um, areas or where we have advocates who aren't women in certain management areas, I think the situation will improve. Um, but, but for a new person coming into the industry, you know, make those networking contacts, they're invaluable. And I think I totally agree with you that the leadership, the folks that have been in the community, the, the folks that have been doing InfoSec for a while, we do have a responsibility, and um, I would I would hope this extends to everyone, uh, has a responsibility to call out this kind of harassment and misbehavior uh, wherever and whenever they see it. And uh, I would love to see the InfoSec and hacker community uh, space change that value, and I do think it's changing to some extent, uh, but I, I hope to see it change even more rapidly over time. Um, just this last summer, uh, Dave, you and I went down to DerbyCon in, in Louisville together, and we saw some of that kind of uh, behavior there. And I know you were particularly vocal about uh, calling that out and, and um, you know, making a point that, that some behavior is inappropriate no matter who or where you are in public. Can you talk a little bit about that and your experience uh, in that space? Yeah, and it really does get back down to culture. You know, um, a lot of the points Helen raised, look, it's, it's you know, I look back over my career, I was, you know, listening to what you're saying, I was like, you know, in that environment it was that way, in that environment it was that way. We have to change the culture of, in what we do in uh, in the info, in the, in the IT and infosec space. 
where it's it is more accepting where we're, we're trying to include more people um, I think the suggestion for networking uh, for support systems is important uh, but really it's about again behavior is behavior and it really gets back to culture there are certain changes that you know again world ever evolving the the workplace is the number of workers the the generation the, the millennial generation um you know i recently took a, a class that, that kind of went over it's like hey here's how these guys work here's how they think and uh, you know and helen working at the university i'm sure can can kind of agree it's like it's a whole different way of thinking about how you go about work how you approach folks how you approach people and it's a different dynamic, much more, more different, I would say, than probably the past couple generations. And it is something that it, it is all about culture and, and what we want to do. I think we actively need to um, think beyond just a job description, but it's like, especially in, in the, the InfoSec communities and the IT communities, what can we do? What can we do differently to attract the diversity that we need? Because to Helen's point, we're missing out. We're, we're missing out on ideas. We're missing out. On on evolution by by not engaging. I think that's a fantastic point. We really are missing out and coming up short. And um, I know they've done a great job at DerbyCon. It's one of the most family friendly kind of hacker uh, events out there. Uh, and you you get a good mix of folks from the infosec and risk world as well as uh, you know technical hacking kind of stuff. But as you look across the spectrum of some of these hacking events and, and other, um, you know, conferences that are out there, you know the good guys are out there recruiting, organizations are recruiting, you see a lot of vendors at the, at the uh, shows, but you know somewhere in the background the bad guys are out there recruiting too. And uh, if you kind of keep that in mind and, and you're looking at these young folks coming into this career path and they're going to have to make a decision. Um, am I going to work for the greater good or, um, you know, maybe work on the more nefarious side of, of hacking and security? Um, what would your advice be to them, Dave, uh, sitting at that juncture? So as you go through life, like life always does seem to be a juncture, right? Um, you know, doing for the greater good, working for the greater good. You know, I personally, I'm a guy, I like to build things. I like to see people, I like to help companies. I like to, to help people reach their goals. I like to help companies reach their goals. And the InfoSec space, you know, I like enjoy helping a company become more secure and seeing that there's a direct result, a positive result from the effort that you make. Uh, you know, nefarious hacking, it, it has its own set of goals, but it's not for the greater good. You know, uh, and it, it really does come down to it's a it's an introspection. I hate to make it that dramatic, but it's an introspection on, look, what do you want to do with your life? What is it you want to I mean, there are consequences to both both ways to go. Obviously, the consequences for nefarious um, activity is much, much worse. And it, it's a it's a lifestyle that, you know, you really need to consider. There's much it's much more than just a faceless crime. Those, those things happen to real people. Those crimes happen to real people. And, you know, people's jobs are affected. People's um, well-being in certain cases is affected. And it's like, you know, is that really who you want to be? Is that who you want to become? Or do you want to try and help people to become better? Do you want to help products to become better? Do you want to help companies to become better? Do you want to help people to become better? It really is all about, look, what is it you want to do? 
you know, that's, it's a very serious reflection point and it has to happen at a very early age. Uh, but you know, it's something that you owe yourself at a young age to make that decision and move forward. And Helen, what would be your take on that? What would you tell a young person who is being courted or recruited by, um, you know, folks for the, for the criminal side of, of what we do? <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Um, I, you know, I think if, if people are going to be attracted to that side of, of the house, there's not a lot I think I can say that's going to stop them from going that way. I think they're going to have to get their fingers burnt or worse um, for them to learn that lesson. I think what I try and impart with the students that I come into contact with um, is that the people that I know in security take really deep pride in the work that they do. Um, they, we may be a sliver of the overall IT community, but I think you will find that most security professionals consider themselves the cream of the crop. And I think going into security with those people, you learn so much and you could take those skills. You may not be in security for forever, but you will take those skills and you will do something amazing with it that whether that's in the security field or out of it, that you won't get if you go to the dark side. So don't go to the dark side. You know, spend the time doing the right thing with the right people, learn some amazing things, make some amazing connections, and the world's going to be your oyster. Um, and that's what I tell people. And I think that's fantastic advice. And uh, if there's one thing that uh, I would tell young folks who are in that position is uh, that it seems at first like uh, hacking and, and uh Computer-related crime is a fast way uh, to money, uh, to fame, uh, to fortune. Uh, but I can tell you that the folks who I know in this uh, industry who uh, have achieved those goals have done so uh, by far uh, above and beyond the expectations that uh, they would have had at that juncture. So I think the rewards of applying yourself in uh, really working toward a greater goal are significant, significantly amplified in return uh, versus uh, taking kind of the easy way. Uh, so I, I think uh, that would be my advice to, to a, a young person sitting at that uh, choice. Um, I do want to, to change gears for just a moment and sort of come back to you, Helen, and ask you, if you had to start all over again, and, and kind of know what you know now, what would you do different in your InfoSec career than, than the path that you took? My, in, in thinking about how I might answer this question, um, the, the, the thing I think comes to mind most clearly is that in the beginning of my career, because of the time of it and because of the kind of industry I was in, um, I was managing security through a very... Um, compliance or legal focused lens. So I would I would sit in front of people and say, you need to do this and you need to do it this way and you need to do it this way because the law says you have to do it this way or the rules say you have to do it this way. And I'm a rule-driven person, so that makes perfect sense to me. Um, and I may have been correct, but I wasn't very effective in taking that approach. And so I think... I spent a lot of time trying to get people to believe that doing the right thing was in and of itself the reason why they should be good at security or do security things well. 
And I think um, what I've learned over the years is that that's not the most effective way to do it. And if we're going to make the entire organization or economy or country secure and be able to do cybersecurity really well, we've got to make people understand that there's a benefit to them to do it and there is a benefit to the community overall if they play their part. And um, what I found is when you, when you can win the hearts and minds of people, they will do the right thing 99.999% of the time. But if they're doing it because they feel like they have to or they're getting beaten over the head with some kind of compliance stick, they're not going to do that very well and they're not going to do it very often. So my learning is that the, that what, I would, what I would do differently is that I would try and find what it is that is meaningful to them and work out how security benefits people and that then becomes the lever to change their behaviour. Um, and everyone's got a different story, so it, it takes time and it takes effort, but it's totally worth it. And, and so that's what I would, I would do differently. I would start there and not wait 10 years to get to that point. And Helen, you, you've just hit one of the, the great things about InfoSec is you get to work across all of those areas, not just technology, but psychology and economics and how to motivate folks to do the right thing. And uh, so I thank you for sharing that because it's a great viewpoint for folks to understand uh, just how dynamic this field is. Absolutely. And Dave, same question to you. As you look back across your career, it, what would you do different today uh, than you know today than uh, you know sort of how you got here? So you know, my background being you know project manager, chief technology officer in, in IT. You know, the bottom line is always deliver, 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 deliver. And you know, um, it infosec was. It, it was seen as the barrier to getting things done. You know, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, that doesn't make sense. You know, why, why am I wasting time doing this? Um, you know, the thing that, uh, you know, I regret, and you and I have had the conversation, is uh, info security, there's a payback. There's an ROI. It should be part of your business. It should be a part of your business, that, you know, just as important as the widgets you sell is the security that you put around it. Um, you know, the one thing that I would have, uh, if I had to do it all over, I would have embraced the InfoSec um, philosophy much earlier in my career. Um, I've had to um, realize the, the value of it, the ROI on it, and the fact that, you know, Helen kind of reached on it, is that the business needs educated on it. It's something that's new. It's something that's different. It, it is seen for what it is. And it's all about a marketing strategy towards, listen, there, the, there is a need for this. There is a reason why we're doing this. And from an ROI perspective, you're talking to people, business folks in their own terms of ROI, return on investment, this is what you get out of it. I would have started much earlier in, in the process in my career. And, you know, maybe if you do that, if you, if you touch enough people, it, it makes for an easier sell as you go through. I mean, even in today's environment, InfoSec at times can be a tough sell for executives. And, you know, getting people across that threshold and, and getting them to understand that, embrace it and be passionate about it, uh, it can be a challenge. And, and that would be my thing is I would just I would start the, um, you know, you call yourself an evangelist. And I got to admit, you turned me into a follower and a believer. I would start my evangelism much earlier. Very cool. Uh, Dave, what's your what's sort of the goal for 2015? What is it that you're working on next? And 
if uh, readers wanted to connect with you and find out more about uh, the things that you do and the points that you've made, where could they do that? Uh, 2015 really is more of the same, you know, again, education, um, information, and action, call to action relative to threats that go on in, in today's environment. Uh, if folks would like to reach out to me, you can reach out to me on Twitter at DRose0120. So that's DRose0120 on Twitter. Correct. Excellent. Correct. All right, Helen, same question to you. I know how many passionate uh, activities you have and how many things you focus on, but what really is 2015 going to be for you, and where can folks uh, really talk with you more about your viewpoints? Sure. So 2015 for me is all about um, working with the university community, not just at Ohio State, but at universities across the country to you know, um, help the entire education community think about security and how do we do that really well and how do we share the data they want to share with uh, in a secure way, um, all of those kinds of things. And I'm also very interested for those of you who are in the Ohio area about, or want to be in the Ohio area, about how do we start building pipelines within universities of people, of students who understand information security so they can come out into the workforce. So internships, undergraduate degrees, all of that kind of stuff. I'm working on all of it, which is Fabulous. Um, people can find me on LinkedIn. People can find me on Twitter. I've got a Twitter handle of OSU CISO Helen, and uh, that's probably where you can follow me and see what I'm working on at any given time. And thank you both so much for joining us uh, and sharing your views. The, the experience and insights are just amazing, and I, uh, I really thank you for spending time with myself and my listeners tonight. Uh, with that said, we're going to roll this episode up. This has been stateofsecurity.com. Turn in next time. Uh, we'll have some more guests talking about ethics and uh, making some of the choices between pursuing uh, illicit side hacking versus uh, information security as a career choice. I'm lining some folks up on there. Uh, as always, you can find us at stateofsecurity.com, and I'm on Twitter at L-B-H-U-S-T-O-N, or at microsolved, like problem solved. Thanks again for joining us, and until next time, stay safe out there.